Well, good morning. This church leans to the left a little bit, I see here. <laughs> I think before I get going, I better ask a real important question. Simon, what time do I have to get you out of here? Uh, there's a start time for church, but there's no end time. Uh, oh, really? I, I figured you, of all people, would want to be able to get out the door at the right time. So. <laughs> Nine? Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I have to ask that question because I always kind of come loaded for bear and end up hunting chipmunks. You know, I have way too much than I think I need to, to say, and I have to sort that all out. And then, you know, it's a long drive from Rapid City to Hot Springs, so that gives me nothing to do but think of more stuff. Um, so uh, let me start off this way. I'm going to be here for three weeks, I guess. Thank you for allowing that opportunity. Uh, not thank you for making me follow Dwayne Laughlin, <laughs> who was my senior pastor when I started in the ministry. Um, but uh, yeah, Dwayne and, uh, and Mark and I go back about 33 years plus. I actually, I knew Mark when he was a sophomore in high school. I was a senior, and he was a wee little baron. Uh, well, he still kind of is, but, <laughs> but uh, so it's been great to be able to have his friendship and to be a partner in ministry all these years in the Black Hills area. Uh, a little bit about me, I know Mark, uh, let's see, it's probably not a good time for me to tell you that I was born in a Navy family. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if it makes you feel any better, Kim, my son, is, uh, is in the United States Army National Guard, and I also have a Marine uh, living in my basement right now as, as well. So uh, I had neighbors who were in the Air Force, but they moved away, so that's what they do. But uh, so there's a little bit about that. Um, uh, one of my biggest fears is getting eaten by a bear. Uh, in, in the woods, not here in the hills necessarily, but I'm scared, terrified of bears. I'm also terrified of public speaking. Uh, even though I've been doing it for about 33 years, it, it just never goes away. So far, uh, I think I have a better chance of surviving a bear attack uh, than I do public speaking sometimes. But it hasn't killed me yet. Uh, so we'll see how it goes here for the next, next couple of weeks. Uh, I've been in ministry for 33 years, for about as long as I've known my Lord. I've walked with him uh, for that long now, almost 34 years, primarily youth ministry, so go Nick. Um, for 14 years, I served as a, a senior pastor at Nemo Community Church, not because it was a big church and it was multi-staffed, it's because I was the youngest member of the church. Uh, I preached to seniors, so it's weird to be a youth minister and, and then step into that. But for 14 and a half years, uh, I had to deliver every Sunday, and uh, I resigned from that a couple of years ago to go back into youth ministry. So I'm a little bit out of practice. I had been working with Young Life in Rapid City. I turned in my resignation there just uh, last week, uh, and uh, my wife and I, along with a leadership team of about 10 individuals, are launching a new ministry, which I'm shamelessly promoting on my coffee cup here, called Square One. And it is a ministry towards many that are labeled as millennials. I don't like that label, but uh, that's who we're trying to reach because they're people too. And uh, they're... <laughs> They're entering one of the toughest phases of life uh, that, uh, that people can enter into. Plus, we're finding out that adolescence is extending up to the age of 27. 
Can you believe that? So I'm still kind of in youth ministry, just with a little older contingency there. But anyway, to get right into the message, uh, let's get there. Uh, Luke chapter 5 is uh, the text that I'm going to be speaking out of this morning. Have you ever heard that phrase, I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole? Okay, help me out here a little bit. What would you not touch with a 10-foot pole? Public speaking. <laughs> yes, sir. Did I hear somebody say snake? Okay, I'm with you on that one, too. Uh, all right, what else? A mouse? Okay. <laughs> Broccoli. Okay, you and George W., awesome. <laughs> Broccoli. Anything else that you can think of? What would you not touch with a 10-foot pole? How about a bad idea? You know, you've, you've been around someone and they've spotted what they thought was a great idea. And I'm, I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> uh, how about a controversial subject in certain company? Nope, nope, not, not touching that one. See, we, we grow up with a set of rules and systems, I guess, around us to say, don't touch that. Um, that's a hands-off thing. Probably don't want to set foot uh, into that situation. Well, the series that I'm going to be doing for the next uh, three Sundays, including this Sunday, I guess, is, is called The Outrageous Life, and it's looking at Jesus. I mean, you just walk into a room and say, Jesus, and you just made things real awkward. Okay, Because you, you can't help but do that, because there's never been a life, there's never been an individual like Jesus Christ. He is the most amazing, outstanding incredible individual to have ever walked this earth and there's no way that you can just respond to him with a lackadaisical laissez-faire or mediocre response you're either going to love him or you're going to hate him that's the power of that individual and that name jesus well one thing that becomes abundantly clear as you read through the gospel of luke is that Jesus was constantly amazing people. You'll see that over and over and over again, a repeated theme that, that Luke seems to bring forth to us, is that the people were amazed, or the people marveled, or they were astounded by his teaching. And sometimes that amazement was a positive thing, and sometimes that amazement was a, was a negative thing. I like to use the word outrageous, because... I think Jesus was outrageous. But when we think of that word outrageous, it's not a positive adjective. Um, disgraceful, shameful, shocking, offensive, contemptible, despicable, extreme. These are, these are all antonyms, or I'm sorry, all synonyms of the word outrageous. An antonym would be commendable. There were people that when Jesus said some things and did some things, thought that that was the most wrong thing that could have been done in that time. He amazed even the Pharisees and the, the, the strongly religious people of his day. There were things that they would not touch with a 10-foot pole that Jesus was constantly touching. Now, I've got to answer that question for myself. Something I would not touch with a 10-foot pole would be a booze-serving club on a Saturday night with a live band. 
And one of the reasons I would avoid one of those, that, that particular area is, well, no good Christian would set foot in such a place as that, right? I mean, we get that mindset. It also happens that that was the lifestyle that I was saved out of when I was about 22 years old and didn't want anything to have to do with that again. Well, I'm going to get back to that thing in a minute here. Regardless of one's temperament towards Jesus of Nazareth, he definitely was an amazing individual. And he was hard to understand at times. And he talked in parables, you know, stories that confused us rather than made things more clear at times. And I think if there was one parable that pretty much summed up who Jesus is and, and what he did, it was the parable about the, the, the old wineskins and the old wine and the new wine and the new wineskins. You might remember what he said. If you put new wine into an old wineskin, what's going to happen? It's going to blow up. And Jesus was basically saying to us and to the people back then about 2,000 years ago, you got old wineskins, and I'm bringing new wine. So you better get a new wineskin, or your mind's just going to be blown. And, th- and that's really what happens. If you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's going to blow your mind. It should, at least. So I want to talk about a, a particular wineskin moment uh, for myself. Jesus, you see, was uh, the expected king. And he was bringing an anticipated kingdom. But for a lot of people in his day, he was not what they expected, and his kingdom was not what they had anticipated. So they struggled with that. And there's still people to this day that have a little difficulty with this. What Jesus was bringing to this world was so crazily enormous that the best of our minds, the best of our systems, the best of our programs, the best of our, of our codes would just completely blow asunder if we tried to contain what he was bringing. In Luke chapter 5, verse 12, we see one of those moments. It says, while he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, imploring him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, we have to understand what was, what was happening in this situation. A, a man known as a leper somehow intersected with Jesus Christ in one of the cities. Now, leprosy today is known as Hansen's disease. It's, uh, it, it, we, we, we often get a misunderstanding that, that, that if you're a leper, then you know, parts of you are just falling off as you're walking along or something like that. That's not the case. In Hansen's disease, the nerves start to die. And then, of course, your body basically goes numb. And so what happens is you can injure yourself just by conking against something like that hard, and, and the nerves can't regenerate. An infection can set in. And because of that, sometimes body parts have to be amputated to keep being green from growing through the whole body. Well, back in Jesus' day and back all the way to Moses' day, leprosy wasn't Hansen's disease. Leprosy was basically a whole bunch of skin afflictions that anybody could get. Anything from a bad case to pimples to eczema or, or, or something like that. And so the Old Covenant set up a whole bunch of rules for people with skin afflictions. And the reason for that was is because if you had some sort of affliction, then you were unclean. And you could not worship in the assembly. 
What's worse is a lot of people had the idea that if you were unclean, you would make other people unclean. So as a leper, you had to be an outcast. And by the time in Jesus' day, the rabbis and the Pharisees had come up with even more rules than what the Old Testament gave. I mean, read Leviticus sometimes. There's about, there's about four chapters given just to leprosy. It's not fun reading. Well, these rabbis and, and these Pharisees, they began to add even more rules. If you were a leper, you had to stay a certain amount of distance from other people. You could not come into contact with them. You had to broadcast your disease. You had to go around saying, leper, outcast, unclean, covering your mouth so that you wouldn't somehow expel your uncleanness onto others. They made it much worse. So imagine this man coming to Jesus, classified here, as we said, a man with leprosy. This was a man that could have no contact with his family. Maybe he had children, and he wouldn't be able to to come and see his children the way we're accustomed to. He, He could have no contact with his neighbors. He had to move out of town and live in a colony with other people suffering the same thing. Nobody would touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. And everywhere he went, leper, outcast, unclean, what he would watch and what he would see is a group of people parting the way so that he would not get anywhere near them. And then here we have this amazing encounter, Luke chapter 5. Jesus is in one of the cities, and this man is gutsy enough in his faith to approach Jesus, known as a rabbi, a holy man. This unclean individual living in a covenant where you don't make other things unclean approaches Christ. And I'm just trying to imagine the crowd around Jesus as they see this guy coming, leper, outcast, unclean, look out, here I come. And they all start kind of moving back a little bit. I imagine even Jesus' disciples we're probably going, okay, this is the, we do not cross this line right here. We, do, we don't get any closer to this guy. Peter, he might have just went, okay, I'll, I'll get at least this close. But Jesus, to their amazement, does an outrageous thing. Goes right up to the guy. It says that the man fell at his feet. It's, you know, it would be pretty hard for me to, to fall at Kim's feet <laughs> from right here because he's way back there. I'd have to be right in his proximity to fall at his feet. And, th- and then this, this man does this. He comes up to Jesus, and he's, he's right at his feet. And Jesus, instead of backing away, is looking at him going, what, what would you like me to do for you? And then the man says, Lord, if, if you're willing, which is a great way to pray. It wasn't if you can. It's, it's if you would want to do this, Lord, I believe that you, you can make me clean. You, you could change my condition. Now, again, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus healing people left and right. Okay? And, and he never really does it the same way. And, and if you know enough about Jesus and what the Bible teaches, you also know that he's the same one that spoke this entire universe into being. All it took was a word. Let there be light. And there's light. 
And we know that there were times when, when someone came, like a Roman centurion had come to Jesus and said, I have a servant who's really sick. And Jesus says, well, let's go to your house and heal him. And the Roman centurion says, nope, I'm not worthy of you to step foot into my house. But I am a man of authority, and I understand how command works. All you have to do is say it, and I know he'll be okay. And Jesus was like, wow, has this guy got faith? He says, all right, it is as you say. And the man returned home to find his, his servant healed. Jesus didn't even have to be anywhere in the proximity to heal people. And here's this leper, and he says, Jesus, I know if you, if you would want to do this, if it's your will, you could make me clean. And Jesus says, it is my will. And all he has to do is say, be clean. But this is where Jesus did the outrageous thing. Let me go back to verse 13. It says, and he stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, did you catch what happened there in that moment? Jesus did not have to touch this man to heal him. We know that. Totally unnecessary for him to do that in order to heal him of leprosy. But Jesus saw something in this man that was even greater as far as needs go than being clean. And that was just a simple human touch. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He's going around touching stuff that nobody's supposed to touch. He was breaking all the rules of the religious right back in that day. And they hated that stuff. The text goes on to say, immediately the leprosy left the man. And Jesus told him, says, well, don't go telling people this. Because he didn't want people coming for the wrong reasons. Just, just for, you know, the magic show or that sort of thing. He says, but do this. Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded. Now, see, Jesus didn't come to say, you know what? The old covenant has no point whatsoever. He says it will, it will go its way. <laughs> Hebrews tells us that, that the old covenant was not a sufficient covenant. And that Jesus came to initiate an even better covenant. And, and that old covenant could not contain Jesus. It could, not, it could not define Jesus. It could only foreshadow Jesus. And so Jesus was saying, you know, even though I'm going to do away with that at some point, at this point, gentlemen, please go and show, this, show yourself to the priest as Moses had commanded. See, this was a, a, a new wineskin moment here what Jesus was doing. And it started popping a lot of old wines. He, he touched a leper. You don't do that. See, because if you, if you touch a leper, that makes you unclean. Jesus is unclean. He never seemed to worry about that. He never seemed to worry about being unclean. And, and here's the reason why. Because he's totally different than you and me. If a four-year-old walks in here with a head cold, you know what that looks like, right? I call them glazed donut monsters because that's what their face kind of looks like. It's, oh, wipe your nose, man. <laughs> they do this stuff, you know. <laughs> now, what happens if someone has a head cold and, and, and you, you know, walk into church on a, on a Sunday morning, and, and what do we typically do when we see each other at church? We go to shake hands, and what does the person with the head cold usually do? Oh, I got a cold. You don't want to touch me, man. 
And we all go, you're right. <laughs> because what happens when you touch somebody that has head cold? Then you get the head cold. See, that's how it works with us normal human beings. When something sick or something unclean or something dead comes into contact with us, we become a little bit sick, a little bit unclean, and a little bit dead. But Jesus was constantly going around through the Gospels. I just picked the leper as one example, touching stuff that was unclean, stuff that was sick, stuff that was dead, but it never touched him. The reverse happened. A little bit of Jesus' wholeness went into the unclean. A little bit of his purity went into them. If someone was sick, Jesus' health and life went into them. Even people that were dead, no, no, not under the old covenant do you touch a dead person. But Jesus did, went right up to the coffin. Hey, wake up in there, would you? And the widow of Nain's son got up. Jesus could touch death, and his life would go into that person instead of vice versa. He was like no other human being because he was God in human flesh. And that's amazing and outrageous. Well, what does this have to do with all of us? I told you the place I would not touch with a 10-foot pole was a, a club that served booze on a Saturday night with a live band. Well, my new work is with this millennial generation, and uh, we have a young lady who's kind of a leper in today's society. I mean, she doesn't have a skin disease or things like that, but she's made some tough choices and some wrong choices. She's a single mom, and uh, she's a long ways off from Jesus. And she fell into our ministry and (laughs) told us, "I I feel like this is a safe place for me. But then she kind of fell out of our ministry, and we didn't see too much of her, and I found out that she was working in a local bar, because she's got to feed her kid. She's doing her best on her own to, to raise this, this little boy. And so she gets a job as a bartender in a kind of unsavory place. One Saturday night, about 9.30 or so, my wife and I are driving back into town from visiting my folks up in, up near Hill City, and uh, she says, let's go see Liz. I said, when? She goes, now. I said, well, Liz is probably working right now. She goes, yeah, let's go see her. But that would mean that I would have to touch this place that I wouldn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> my wife says, I think we should go see Liz. I've learned not to argue with my wife because even when I'm right, I'm wrong. You know. <laughs> so I said, well, Okay. And so we pull out, and there's, I can see from the outside, there's no getting into this place. It's jam-packed with people. There's a band playing. And you know what it's like when you go into a bar and there's a live band. You can't hear yourself think. So I'm very reluctantly going, all right, here we go. Open up the door, and I mean, it's just body heat. You know, it's warmer in there, and it's loud and noisy, and the band's not really that good, and Liz is 
at the bar way back there. I'm assuming I can't even see her. I'm not even sure she's working that night. And I have to go all the way to the back corner from the front door. And you have to move sideways in between people. And for a minute, you're dancing with somebody you didn't mean to. And, and we, we're getting close. And I'm really uncomfortable about now. And we get about 15 feet away from the bar and... I kind of can look in between heads and stuff, and I tell my, I yell at my wife, even though she's right beside me because we can't hear each other. I said, Liz, Liz is working. And in that moment, Liz looked up and saw my wife, and she saw me, and she leapt over the bar. She didn't go around it. She went over the bar, and somehow just through that sea of people, just grabbed us and hugged us and cried. And she said, oh, my safe place is here. You see, we think that people have to come to us. We think if we build the field of dreams, they will come. We think church sometimes operates like that, too. If we have enough programs or enough this or enough that, um, People will show up. That's not how Jesus worked. He went where they were, even when it was unsavory places and unsavory people in unsavory circumstances. Walked right into their lives and touched them. And that upset a few people. It could still happen today. We go and walk like Jesus walked. Some people may not like that. But guess what? Jesus didn't care, and neither should we. Because there are souls out there that desperately, desperately need a human touch. Let's pray. Lord, I will confess that I, uh, I sometimes still have an old covenant way of thinking. Sometimes I let my Christianity become a, a set of rules, a system, or a, a moral code uh, that, that I begin to think is a, is a way to measure how good of a Christian I am. Lord, you, you died to set us free from that. And in fact, even in Colossians, you said, don't, don't fall back into these old rules of do not touch, do not handle. You let us know that that sort of thing doesn't do us any good when it comes to growing in our faith in you. Lord, help us to remember that you did not come to exchange one moral code for another. You came to change our condition. You came to our brokenness. You came to our spiritual leprosy. And you touched us. You brought grace, not the law, to us. And then you did what we couldn't do. You fulfilled the law. And in fulfilling the law, you also went to that untouchable cross. And you took our untouchable sins on your own shoulders and paid the penalty for them. Lord, help us to remember that you're a God who knows how to handle things, especially souls. And Lord, as we close this service out, My prayer is especially for those who might even think that you would never touch them. That somebody that might be sitting here thinking that 
their life is such that, that you just wouldn't want to be near them. Lord, I, I pray that today they, they see you in a whole new way. That they see you as one who would step right into the midst of their circumstances, no matter how ugly they might be right now. And that you would spread your arms wide, just like you did on that cross. And you would enfold them in your embrace. And Lord, sometimes for a person to know that you're actually hugging them is when one of us takes that step too. So Lord, may we be a people willing to go out and touch things that maybe others wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Lord, may we follow the example of Christ and bring your love into places where your love is so desperately needed to be experienced. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and sing with us? We sing the last song for today. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet, in the sweet by and by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. The melodious songs of the blessed And our spirit shall sorrow no more Not a sigh for the blessing of rest In the sweet, sweet by and by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet, in the sweet to meet on that beautiful shore, to our bountiful Father above, we will offer a tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love and the blessings that hallow our days in the sweet. In the sweet shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet in the sweet by and by by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore thank you go and have a wonderful week and live that outrageous life